this is Graceland Keller with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, and I am joined by two doctors today, Dr. Kovachev and Dr. Kowalski. Thank you so much for joining me today, you two. I would love for both of you to take a moment and introduce yourself before we get into things. Okay, I will go first. Uh, you mentioned my name first, Boris Kovachev, Director of the University of Virginia Center for Diabetes Technology and into diabetes technology developments for the last 25 years. My background is in mathematics and physiology. And Dr. Kowalski? Sure, so I'm Aaron Kowalski. I'm CEO at JDRF. And JDRF is a incredible not-for-profit focused on type one diabetes, the largest uh, not-for-profit funding, uh, public not-for-profit funding type one diabetes research globally. I've been fortunate that I grew up as a scientist at JDRF and worked with Dr. Kovachev and the team at UVA uh, quite uh, extensively over the years. And personally, both my brother and I uh, have type 1 diabetes and benefit from that technology. So it's been an incredible journey to to witness and uh, take part in, and I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Wonderful. Well, thank you both for taking the time to join me. And I'd love to start our discussion today with a little bit of a background on both of your work in diabetes. Okay. Uh, I have been in diabetes research since 1996. Uh, I was brought to diabetes research for personal reasons. My father had diabetes and I was mathematician by training. Then I went to UVA and uh, started some training in physiology and then merged mathematics and physiology and I've been into that field since. There are a few milestones that we can mention. The first models of diabetes that we've done between 96 and 2005. In 2005, there was the first notion of artificial pancreas, which was started by JDRF at the time. Uh, and then NIH and others joined. Uh, then in 2000, Eight, we introduced a simulator of the human metabolic system where in computer simulation, we can design different approaches to the treatment of diabetes. This technology is still around and expanding. Then in 2012, uh, we introduced the first portable artificial pancreas system. Uh, and then most recently, a few years ago, this development got translated to the clinical practice uh, and our algorithms developed at UVA are now included in a specific system that artificial pancreas system that is called Control IQ and is made by Tandem Diabetes Care. So that is the short story of my research. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that background. Um, and I would love to continue discussing with the current status and trends in regards to diabetes today. Sure. Well, I can, I can jump in. And Dr. Kovacev, I'm sure, uh, as a, a unique per perspective, uh, given his work. I think kind of the summary in a nutshell is we've come a long, long way in terms of diabetes treatment and research being translated into treatments with automated insulin delivery. Dr. Kovacev, as, as he mentioned, played a pivotal role in that. And lots of people are benefiting. I think uh, a big enabler that, that is also helping people even beyond automated insulin delivery is continuous glucose monitoring. And, and wrapped up in all of that is kind of the, the next frontiers uh, in this work. And, and, and Boris can, can speak to the, the work that's going on at UVA, but 
from our perspective at JDRF, really we're trying to solve for two equations. One is the glycemic control side of diabetes, which uh, of course is the definition of diabetes is high blood sugar. And how do we continue to improve upon uh, the systems that, that are out on the market and, uh, and drive better control, less time high, less time low, more time in range. And the second part of the equation is what I would call the uh, quality of life or the, the, the experience of, of your diabetes. I grew up in an era when we had to poke our fingers many times a day, uh, used cow and pig insulin, and it was a, a significant amount of work to, to manage your diabetes. And, and, and we've come a long way, but, but I think there's still work to be done. Uh, people who don't have diabetes don't wear insulin pumps. Putting up uh, an insulin pump on your body is a choice you make to, to, to achieve better glucose control, but it is uh, something you wouldn't do uh, normally. And, and, and by that, I mean uh, minimizing that, uh, the burden of wearing these devices is a big focus of ours. Uh, miniaturization, integration in the cell phones, uh, the plug and play capabilities. That, that, that's all a focus at JDRF. I would say beyond that, uh, we focus on curative and preventative research and diabetes complications. And I know uh, the team at Boris works with uh, across the University of Virginia on, on that front. And, and biological sol solutions are eventually going to come down the pike, which I'm, I'm very excited about. So it's an incredible time in, in diabetes research, probably unlike any I've ever seen. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for um, your personal experience as well as the research that you've been doing and that background there. Um, now let's talk about the artificial pancreas for a second. What is this? How does it work? And what does this mean for the future of diabetes care? So I can get that started. The artificial pancreas, as it's also known as automated insulin delivery or AID, it's a system of two devices, a sensor that uh, is uh, placed on a person and stays there for 10 days, two weeks, something like that, which transmits signal, blood sugar signal every few minutes, let's say every five minutes to an insulin pump that Dr. Kowalski already mentioned, that is also attached to the person and delivers insulin on the commands of a control algorithm, which makes the artificial pancreas the device it is now. Uh, so the control algorithm that sits usually in the insulin pump is the key element that makes the formerly known sensor and pump treatment into artificial pancreas system. Uh, currently, this is the best option uh, for many people particularly with type 1, but also some with type 2 diabetes who are on, on insulin. But the engineers who developed that, including me, we well understand that this is not a cure. This is means, technological means, to help people with diabetes live better, have better experience, have better glycemic control, and essentially have the chance to be healthy and don't think too much about diabetes until a real, real cure, biological cure arrives. And um, that's what Dr. Kowalski was talking about. So the current systems, the current artificial pancreas systems, there are several out there on the market, three in the United States and another two in Europe. Uh, they all work in a similar way. 
they have a sensor, they have a pump, and they have a control algorithm, and generally they achieve similar uh, results uh, out there. The first system of this kind was the Medtronic 670G device that was introduced to uh, uh, the market and to people with diabetes in 2017. The next one was uh, Control IQ from Tandem Diabetes Care, which I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago. This one is based on an algorithm, control algorithm developed at the University of Virginia by my team. And uh, there are newer systems coming from Insulet, also from Medtronic and from a couple of companies in Europe, which are still not in the United States. So that's the current state of, of the art. Uh, where it is going from here, uh, it's interesting uh, to know. My hypothesis is that it will uh, digress to uh, combination therapies that include a biologics, a drug, and automated insulin delivery at the same time. There is also proof of concept that this is um, coming up and working better than closed loop alone or artificial pancreas alone. Hybrid approaches with biologics and beta cell um, replacement therapies. Uh, and of course, better and better algorithms that will fully automate the control of diabetes for people and to miniaturize the devices that the person has to wear. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that explanation. And it sounds like the technology in this space has just continually been advancing and helping bring the quality of life for people living with diabetes just to a higher level. So thank you so much for that explanation. And then my final question for you both is, what are you most focused on and excited about right now? What are some new projects or some new prospects you're working on that, working on that could really even further enhance diabetes care? So I'm, ha I'm happy to jump in and I'll give you uh, my perspective from, from JDRF. You know, uh, following on Boris's uh, piece on devices, I, I'm just incredibly excited about uh, the potential to drive better diabetes outcomes through technology and, and see those technologies advance. Uh, uh, Dr. Cavaccio talked about curative uh, approaches. I think the ability to uh, create stem cell-derived islets is amazing, and it's a major focus of GDRF. And the idea that we could take off our devices, I think, is just an incredible hope that I have over the coming decade. I guess one other area that I would I would highlight, and it, it gets back to our mission at JDRF, which is accelerating life-changing breakthroughs to cure, prevent, and better treat T1D and its complications, is uh, an initiative that we call our Global Access Initiative. Um, and by that, I mean, for somebody's life to be changed, you need to have access to these advancements. And I think the work that the team at UVA and uh, in Italy and researchers around the world are doing is amazing. But I feel that I uh, sit in a place of relative privilege in the, in, in the sense that I have access to really good uh, physician care and really good insurance. And I think another critical component of research is having line of sight of people benefiting from their research. So, so one other area that I'm excited about is just a really uh, more structured focus on making sure that people here in the United States, but also globally, have access to these advancements. Um, their life won't be changed if you don't have access. So Judith uh, published a, an important paper last 
a couple of weeks ago uh, called the, the Global Index, which kind of quantifies the burden of diabetes country by country around the world. And a major focus of ours is going to be not only supporting advancements in diabetes treatments, life-changing breakthroughs, but also uh, focusing on making sure they're accessible to anybody with diabetes, uh, no matter where they live. So that uh, that gets me excited, and I, uh, I and I think it'll create a virtuous cycle of more investment in the space. If uh, more people are benefiting, more research and and dollars will flow into the space, and I think we'll move faster. I will uh, continue from when where Erin left it. Uh, one of the technological aspects of access out there is uh, data availability, data for the state of a person who has diabetes. And uh, the most exciting for me thing in the past few years and the subject of a future work uh, in several of my projects now, ongoing now, is the merger between diabetes research and diabetes treatment and data science. I can explain that in a bit more detail. Every one of us through their phone, for example, cell smartphone, is carrying sensors around. And some of these sensors are relevant to the human metabolism and therefore to diabetes, for example, motion sensing and so forth. Continuous glucose monitoring is getting quite spread now, uh, both in type 1 and type 2 diabetes, sensors are proliferating, being miniaturized, becoming cheaper, and so forth. They talk to the smartphone. So basically, the phone that many people are wearing facilitates access to data that is related to diabetes. And it also generates enormous data amounts, which are subject to data science, the new science that has emerged in the last several decades uh, that deals with enormous amount of data, and some of them can be redirected to the human health. Um, and that's exactly what we're doing. We basically are trying to bring in data science methods, huge databases, availability of biosensing to the benefit of individual person with diabetes at several levels, not only to inform artificial pancreas systems, but to provide decision support and inform health politics and make the use of diabetes technology more widespread and uh, provide tools online uh, that can help people who don't have the means to purchase a system. All of that is uh, quite exciting and the beginning of a new chapter, I think, and JDRF is fully on board with that. And we are grateful for their continued support. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for all of the wonderful points you've made during the, this conversation today and the incredible advancements and research that you both are doing to help those who do have diabetes. So Dr. Kovachev, Dr. Kowalski, thank you so much for joining me today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Yes, thank you for your interest. Thanks for having us.